0: Good afternoon brothers and sisters, it's a great blessing that we may be here again to join together in worship of our triune God. A particular welcome to any visitors, may you enjoy fellowship as you worship with us. May the preaching of the gospel direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust to our Saviour Jesus Christ and cause us to live our lives to the praise of him. Consistory has the following announcements, brother and sister Ben and Ilsa Bucholt, with their children Kirsten and Emily have requested an attestation to the Free Reformed Church of Armidale. We wish them the Lord's blessings in their new congregation. The consistory with deacons will meet the Lord willing at 8pm tomorrow in the consistory room. And this afternoon the worship service will be led by Brother Dathan Plater. Before we commence this service, let us sing hymn 6 verses 1 and 2.
1: afternoon congregation, let us rise to worship our God. As we come to worship our trying God, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And God greets you this morning, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us continue our worship and let us sing from Psalm 103 verses 1, 2, and 3. It is at this time that we make confession of our our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith and we'll do so with the words of him, him one. now come before God in prayer and ask for his blessing over this worship service let us pray almighty god and eternal father lord we thank you that you gather us together as church to worship you again for a second time we thank you that we can worship you our god so great and glorious and lord we praise you for your creation Many of us over the past couple weeks could experience it in different ways. Enjoying some holidays. Where we could see your glory and your beauty as it's displayed in the sunset. Or where we could enjoy the beach. Or where we could enjoy other beautiful scenery. We could look up at the night sky, see the stars that you have made. And Father, when we ponder these things, we know from your word that You created this world with but a breath. You said, let there be, and there was. You spoke, and and mountains popped forth. You spoke, and the oceans were filled with sea creatures. And Father, as you created, not one of your words fell to the ground. Nothing actively opposed you. Nothing turned against you. You spoke, and the land was established. You spoke, and plants came forth. You never repeated a command. You breathed life in Adam and Eve and made them a living being. Father, we thank you for your word, your powerful word, your word which creates. And for, Father, by your, your word you also continue to sustain this world that you've created. From the tiniest of organisms to the largest galaxies, Father, you are the Lord of all creation. And Father, we, we marvel at your wisdom. And your power. And we also praise you for your work of recreation. Lord, that you take what is broken and you make it new. That you take what is dead and you make alive. Father, as sinners, we actively oppose you. We actively oppose the recreating work of the Spirit. We can become hardened in our sin. Even though sometimes your word can seem so powerless in the face of human sinfulness, we praise you that it still goes forth with power. Your word, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces right into the very core of our being. Your word searches out the depths of our hearts. And Lord, it's when it goes forth that it comes alive. This is what Ezekiel saw when he had that vision of the valley of dry bones. There was all these bones and your word went forth and they became alive. And so, Father, we pray that that same word would come forth, that you would speak your word this afternoon with power and with the Holy Spirit, that we may be made alive. And so we ask that you would recreate us as new creations. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this afternoon we continue our treatment of the Lord's Prayer. And in connection with that, we'll be looking at the address, our Father in Heaven. And so in preparation for that, we'll read from Matthew 6 and 7, and then also one of Paul's letters, the letter to the Ephesians. So firstly, we'll turn to the Gospel of Matthew, which you'll find on page 965 of the Church Bibles. So Matthew 6, and we'll read together from the verses 5 through 15. So Matthew 6 verses 5 through 15. This is the word of the Lord. This is Jesus speaking and he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for if you forgive others their, transpa- their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses and then we'll continue to chapter 7 7 verses 7 through 11 So Jesus continues in his Sermon on the Mount, and he says in chapter 7, verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? So, so far from Matthew's Gospel, now let us turn to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So Paul's letter to the Ephesians, we will read the opening verses of the chapter, the verses 1 through 13, or 14, I should say. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Let us now continue and respond to the words of scripture with the words of Psalm 103 where we praise God for his fatherly care. So our confessional reading this afternoon is Lord's Day 46, where we continue our treatment of the Lord's Prayer, Lord's Day 46, where it is asked and answered, Why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father, to awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer that childlike reverence and trust toward God, which should be basic to our prayer, God has become our Father through Christ. And will much less deny us what we ask of him in faith than our fathers would refuse us earthly things. Why is there added in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly manner. And to expect from his almighty power all things we need for body and soul. So after the preaching of the gospel, as it is summarized here in Lord's Day 46, we will sing from Psalm 84 verses 3 and 6. beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. When a Muslim converts to Christianity, one of the amazing things is the, the fatherhood of God. They read 1 John one 3 verse 1, and it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. It's an incredible truth, a privilege to call God Father. And yet one in which sometimes Muslims can struggle with immensely. You see, the concept is completely foreign to the Quran. One of the hadiths, which is a collection of writings about what Muhammad says and does, it mentions that Allah has 99 titles. 99 titles. And you see some of those titles come in, through the, in the Quran. Chapter 3, verse 6 of the Quran describes Allah as the powerful, Or another passage as the creator. 59 verse 23 describes Allah as the king and the holy one. And yet nowhere will you find the concept of God being our father. To many Muslims it's disrespectful if not downright blasphemous. To call Allah, Abba, father. There's a book by Bilquis Sheik. Which speaks about her conversion to Christianity. And this is one of the things that just baffled her. The title of the book shows it. It says, I dare to call him father. That's the title. And she writes in there, No Muslim I felt ever thought of Allah as his father. Since childhood I had been told that the surest way to know about Allah was to pray five times a day and to study and think on the Quran. Yet, Dr. Santigo's words came to me again. So that was a person she was in contact with. And he says, Talk to God, talk to him as if he were your father. And yet, the glory of Christianity goes further than a mere illustration. Jesus teaches us to speak to God not as if he is our father, but because he is our father. He teaches us to address God as father. And that comes through in Matthew 6, which we read together. Multiple times, he tells the disciples, Go pray to your father. Verse 6, he says, go to your rooms, pray to your father. Then in verse 7, he says, you can pray because you know that uh, your father in heaven knows exactly what you need. And then you have those beautiful words, the opening of of the Lord's Prayer, which says in verse 9, he says, pray like this, our father in heaven. We can address God as our Father." God, the the one who's created heaven and earth and everything in it, the one who is outside of space and time, we can address that almighty God as Father. We can dare to call God Father. And so let's pay more attention to the teaching of our Savior here. Under this theme, Christ teaches us to pray to our heavenly Father. And firstly, we'll look at our fatherly God, and second, we'll look at our heavenly Father. Father. So Christ teaches us to pray to our Father. We don't begin the prayer uh, by addressing God, our Almighty God, or our Heavenly Father. Even those, those are biblical titles. But Jesus teaches us to address God as Father. And why is that important for us to take note of? Well, because at the very beginning of prayer... Those words, they teach us our relationship with God. They teach us how we can approach God right from the beginning. Right before you close your eyes, that is what you know. You know your relationship and you know how you can a- approach God. Children, you can think of it this way. Your parents probably teach you to address other adults as Mr. or Mrs. It's a title of respect. It's It's polite. And that shapes the way that you interact with adults. It dictates how you approach them. You approach them with respect. But maybe your family is good friends with this other family. And you become such good friends that your parents say, you don't have to call them Mr. and Mrs. so-and-so anymore. You can actually call them Uncle and Aunt. Well, right away, that changes the relationship. The child knows that, okay, they're much closer to me than just Mr. and Mrs., They're my uncle and aunt. That's how close we are. And so here, imagine you said, Father. Again, that communicates something even closer. It changes the way you approach that person. They're your father. They will care for you. They will protect you. They will love you. Right away, it frames the way that you come before that person. And so here, Jesus is showing us that that is the the way that we can approach God in prayer. We do so in the context of that relationship. This is something that Paul glorifies God in his letter to the Ephesians. He praises God for God's fatherhood. Notice, congregation, how many times, just in the opening verses, he he mentions Father. Verse 2 opens with that greeting. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 3, he continues. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 5, he says he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. And then if you continue to verse 16 and 17, it mentions, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and of knowledge in him. He praises God. He's amazed at God's Father At his fatherhood. And from God our father flows out all these rich blessings. That he lavishes upon us. That he pours out on us. He mentions a few of them. He mentions predestination. That God has chosen us from the beginning of the world. He mentions election in verse 5. He mentions the forgiveness of sins in verse 7. He mentions the revelation of the gospel. As a gift that comes from God's fatherly hand. He mentions verse 11 our heavenly inheritance. Right there, he's highlighting God the Father is the source of all the blessings that we receive as Christians. It fills them with with so much joy. And now let's jump back to to verse 4 and 5. So verse 4 tells us that God became our Father because of His electing love. It says there, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. And then what is more, he moves on and he says that God has predestined us. Now it's tempting for us to hear predestination, to hear election, and we go, okay, that's catechism. Those are big terms that are hard to explain. And so yet, why does Paul burst forth into praise when he talks about election? Why does it move him to just praise God? Well, the reason why these truths are so beautiful to him is because he realizes that God predestined, God chose us for something. There was a goal in mind. He mentions one in verse four. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. He chose us to make us holy. That's the goal. And then he continues, and this is more important for this afternoon. Verse five, he predestined us for adoption. That is the goal. For adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. You see, the fact that we are children of God is not some afterthought of the gospel. It's not some accidental outcome that just happened to be because Christ died on the cross for us. No, what Paul is saying is that our adoption as children of God was one of the very goals of salvation. To bring us into his family. God predestined you to make you his child. He had that in mind from all eternity past. And then you have that beautiful motivation. Why did God bring us into his family? What well, says there, in love. It wasn't in cold calculation that he predestined us. It wasn't in reluctance that he predestined us. No, it says in love he predestined us. In love he chose us. God chose us because he loves us. Because his affection is on us. He makes us his children not because we are worthy in and of ourselves, but even despite of the fact he makes us his children. You see, Moses says this to the people of Israel Deuteronomy 7, verse 7. He's highlighting the exact same thing. He's saying, this, you're not more worthy than all the other nations around you that God picked you. Deuteronomy 7 7, it says, It wasn't because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were fewest of all. It was simply because of God's electing love, simply because he chose to love Israel. It wasn't because they were more worthy that they could call God Father. It wasn't because their relationship moved to such a point where they went from title Lord to Father. No, it's because God brought them into his family. See, that's an amazing thing. Because by nature, sinners have no right to begin the prayer by saying, Our Father in heaven. We have no right to. And Paul makes that clear. He says that in the next chapter, in chapter 2. He says that sinners by nature are not sons of God, but sons of disobedience. And then he continues that they follow in their own paths in the passions of their flesh. He says they, do, they go into the, the desires of their body and mind. And then he says, and sinners are by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. They're not children of God. They're children of wrath. And then it continues and he says in verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the love with which he loved us, made us alive in Christ. You see, the reason, congregation, Jesus teaches us to address our God as Father is because of what He has done and because of what He did on the cross. We have adoption. We have become God's children because of Christ. And the Catechism says that. Verse, I mean, uh, question answered 120. It says, what is basic to our prayer? God has become our Father through Christ. That is how we are children of God. That is why we can dare to fold our hands and close our eyes and say, Our Father in heaven. And notice how much that that comes through in in the letter to Ephesians. We read from the verses 1 to 14. and And Paul constantly says, In Christ, through Christ, in Him. It comes back in verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, verse 9. In Christ. It's all because of Christ that we can approach God and say, Our Father. It's all possible because of our Savior. Now why is that so important for prayer? Why does that matter so much? Because this truth, That God is your Father because of Christ, it says it's basic to our prayer. And the original says bedrock or staple. So you can think of what's a staple food. A staple food is a food that is fundamental to a healthy diet. You think of grains and vegetables and fruits, those are staple foods. And so any diet that is healthy is made up of these staples. Or think of a bedrock. You can't get a more firm foundation. And so the catechism says, what is basic to prayer? What is the staple of prayer? What is the staple of any healthy prayer? It's the truth that God has become our Father in Christ. It is necessary for our prayer life to be strong that we hold dearly to that truth that God has become our Father. Maybe just ask yourself, you know, sometimes it's very hard to pray. And just ask yourself, what stops you from praying? Because oftentimes, it probably relates to this truth that God has become our Father in Christ. Maybe we stop praying because of our anxieties and our worries. And again, it's because we struggle to believe that God cares for us, that He is our Father. Or maybe we stop praying because we feel like we have it all together, that we can just... Go through life, we're in control, our lives are manageable. But if you think of a child, a child calls to his father, he asks his father for help because he knows he's dependent. And so maybe that's what's stopping you because you fail to believe that God is your father and that you're dependent on him. You see how it's so crucial. It's so crucial. To believe that God is our Father. That is how we're going to move past our worries. That's how we're going to move past our doubts. That is what will give us the confidence to come before God. It's that fact that He is your Father. Brothers and sisters, you pray in that context. In a relationship of love, of safety, of protection. It means that before you close your eyes, you can be confident that God will hear you because you are His child you can be confident that God will hear you just as any father would hear their child. That's why Christ teaches us to call God Father. Because it's basic to prayer. It's the fundamental truth of prayer. But he also teaches us to pray to our Father in heaven. So our heavenly Father. Now for many of us, we hear... God our Father, and that fills us with a lot of warmth. Many of us here are blessed with really loving fathers and and parents. Dads who, by the grace of God, despite their weaknesses, love and protect their children and do their best to care for them. And maybe you have that relationship with your father, and so when you read the Bible and you read the word Father, that fills you with warmth. You get the image. You get the framework. You get it. And so you think to yourself, if my dad who struggles with his weaknesses cares for me so much, well then surely my father in heaven does. You see, if that's your experience, then brothers and sisters, praise God. That is a beautiful gift of God to you. Thank God for fathers who, despite their weaknesses, reflect the love of God in heaven, reflect their heavenly father to you. It's a beautiful thing. Because for some of you here, maybe it's, it's different. You've had a very difficult relationship with your earthly father. And maybe when you hear our father in heaven, it's not a phrase that fills you with endearment and with love, but rather it brings up a lot of hurtful memories. Maybe it's even damaged your, your view of God. If your earthly father didn't love you well, will your heavenly father love you well? If your earthly father didn't treat you well, will will God treat you well? And that's why these words in the next part of the prayer are so important. Why is there added our father in heaven? And what this means, the Catechism says, These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly manner, but to expect from his almighty power all things we need for body and soul. You see, there's a temptation even for for us who have great dads and great fathers to think of our Heavenly Father in an earthly manner. Maybe your dad struggles with anger. And so you think of God. And you think He's infinite. And so you turn up the anger. He's righteous. He's just. You're unrighteous. You're a sinner. You always offend Him. And so you walk around with this, this weight of God's anger resting on you. And so you pray with fear in your heart. Or maybe your dad struggles with with working too much. He loves you a lot, but you have to wrestle to get time with him. And so you think of your heavenly father. Well, your heavenly father, he, he is Lord of all creation. He governs this whole world. And so you think, well, God's got bigger things to be busy with than to hear my cries. Or say for another example, maybe your dad is a perfectionist. Everything you do is, is never good enough. When you mow the lawn, the lines aren't just straight. If you do a job, it's always second rate. And so you think of God in heaven. And you think of the fact that he's perfect. And you think of how much all your works are stained with sin. And so you think to yourself, how, do I, how will I please God? You know God's words where he says, well done, my faithful servant. you think he might say that of others, but not, but not me. You see how we can so often look at our Heavenly Father through our earthly lens, where we can take our experiences with our fathers, however bad they are, and we look at God through that. And it colors the way we see God. But brothers and sisters, that is not the way Jesus wants us to approach God in prayer. He wants you to come to God, your Heavenly Father, and to expect everything that you need from him, to expect that God will give it to you because he is your father who loves you. That's why we read together from Matthew 7. He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus tells the disciples this. Why? He says, ask, pray, knock, because God will open. He wants the disciples to trust and to have a confidence in God's fatherly provision. And he underlines this fact with, with an argument that is a comparison, of the lesser to the greater. He says there in, in Matthew seven verse, verse nine, he does a comparison. He says, "Or which of you, if his son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks you for a fish, will give him a serpent." And both of those questions expect a negative answer. Of course not. Of course no good father will give that to their children. There may be exceptions, but everyone expects that's not what a father is like. A father will give good gifts to their children. And then he continues and he says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask you? if you being evil, if you being sinful, if you're people who have deceptive hearts and yet you know how to give good gifts to your children, well then how much more than your Father in heaven? Because your Father in heaven is in a category all all of His own. He is perfect. God does not sin and cannot sin. His conscience is not smeared by an deceptive heart. His anger is perfect. His justice is perfect. His righteousness is perfect. His holiness is perfect. His love is perfect. Your heavenly father is not like your earthly father. They're sinful. They're weak. They might do bad and wicked things. But not God. Not your heavenly father. You need not doubt his love. For you, you can be vulnerable with your heavenly father because your father loves you. You can trust in him because he will not fail you. Why? Because he is your perfect father. As Psalm 62, verse 8 says, Trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your heart before him. God is our refuge. He is our perfect father, but he is also our powerful father. You know, there's often a time in a kid's life where their dad can do anything. I imagine some of the dads this morning, I mean this afternoon, miss those days. At school, the kids will boast about how, how strong their dad is, how smart their dad is, how, how the dad, your dad is the coolest car ever. And so if dad says something, well that's the truth. But then, a child moves out of that stage. And quickly realizes, well, actually Dad can't do everything. Dad isn't the strongest, the smartest, the brightest. Sometimes I can ask Dad for something, but he just can't help me. He might want to give me what I need for for my body, for my soul, but he just can't. But that's not the way with your Heavenly Father. He is all powerful. He is all he, he has all the strength. There's nothing that he cannot do. Kids, just think of the song, My God is so great, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Or if we think of Lord's Day 9, the Eternal Father, who out of nothing created heaven and earth, is for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father. In him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul and will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this life of sorrow. And then it continues. He is able to do so as almighty God. He is able to do so because he is a heavenly father. And willing also as faithful father. As perfect father. As a congregation, this is the God that you pray to. This is the God whom you have the privilege of saying our father in heaven. And so pray to him. Pray to him expecting That he will give you everything that you need not want but what you need he's not like your earthly father with all their sins and all their weaknesses he is your heavenly father who has demonstrated his love by obtaining you as his children through the blood and suffering of his son jesus christ through christ's death you are part of his family you are his children And so he delights it when his children come to him and pray, Abba, Father, he delights to care for you. He delights to love you. And so go, pray to him, trusting that he will give you everything that you need for body and soul. Dare to call him Father. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's now sing in response to the Gospel Psalm 84, verses 3 and 6. Let's come before God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, what an amazing privilege it is to cry out to you, to say, Father. Lord, what other truth could give us more confidence to pray, to communicate to you, to boldly come before your throne than that, the fact that you are our Father. Lord, your goodness you have revealed to us this afternoon. You have shown us your mercy as of old. And we praise you that no good gift you will withhold. We thank you that we can be confident as we close our eyes and as we pray to you that you certainly hear us. You certainly hear us as any father would hear their child. And yet, Lord, you are greater than any father here in this world because you are perfect. You are powerful. Lord, your fatherhood is not corrupted by any sin or any weakness. You love us perfectly. You care for us perfectly. You discipline us perfectly. And you guide us and protect us perfectly. Lord, you are not malicious. You are not reluctant to care for us. But it delights you. Lord, for... This was one of the reasons why you sent your son in the first place. It was so that we could be your children. You sent your son so that we who were outside, who were far away, who could not call you father, could be able to address you as Abba, father. And Lord, we thank you for the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. We thank you that Jesus obtained this for us. And Lord, may this calm our fears when we come to you in prayer. May it put away all pride that clings to us. May it encourage us that we would have a boldness to speak to you. Lord, bless our prayer lives. It is very difficult to pray sometimes. And Lord, it's so easy to put it off. And it's so easy to be caught up with the busyness of life that we neglect this this most important part of our thankfulness. And so, Lord, may you bless each and every one of us here in this church that we would boldly seek your face, that you would bless us with great communion with you, that it would fill our hearts with joy to spend some time in quiet praying to you or taking any moment that we have and lifting up our hearts to you, knowing that you will indeed hear us. And, Father, we ask that you would help us not to think of your, your heavenly majesty in an earthly way, Lord, help us to free ourselves from those experiences that may may be coloring our vision of who you are. Where we are seeing your greatness, your majesty in a way that is earthly. Where we are seeing your fatherly goodness through the lens of our earthly fathers. Lord, may you be gracious to us. May you help us to work through these so that we may see your goodness. And Father, we pray for our families. We pray for the families in this church. We thank you that this is one of the means that you use to build your church. Lord, it's such a beautiful gift. Lord, we thank you for this. There are so many families in this world that are broken, that are torn apart because of sin. And so, Lord, this is something that we don't take lightly. And so we ask that you would please bless our families. Bless the relationships that parents have with children. Bless the relationships that that husband and, and wives have. Lord, we know that the devil wants nothing more than to destroy these relationships because of how profound the effects are on our relationship with you. And so we ask that you would be gracious to us and watch over us in this. Lord, grant that that husbands and wives may love each other, that you would bless the marriages. Grant that husbands would be as Christ to their wives, that they would be willing to die for them as Christ died for his bride that they would be willing to make their wives glorious and shine in splendor like Jesus sanctified his bride and made her shine in beauty. And Father, bless the relationships with, with, between parents and children. Grant that ch- it may be one of safety, it may be one of love. Lord, you know our struggles, you know the weaknesses, you know the struggles of each family. And so we ask that you would watch over us in this regard. And Father, we thank you for the friendships that you give in our midst. Lord, this is such a rich blessing to us. Lord, it's, it's your goodness that you bring good friends in our lives and we pray that you would help us. Sometimes we can struggle to find good friends. Sometimes we can struggle with loneliness. And so may you put us in communion and in relationship with each other so that we would be a hand and foot to one another. Father, we pray that you would continue to bless us in this afternoon as we enjoy this day of rest. We thank you that we can put aside the things that of, of yesterday, we can put aside our worries of the coming week, and that we can focus on who you are and what you've done in Christ. Lord, we thank you for this privilege, and we ask that you would bless us as we enjoy this day of rest. We, hear, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. you now have an opportunity to give of your thank offerings before the lord and for this afternoon it's requested for the mission work in G. and then afterwards we'll sing from hymn 72 verses 1 3 and 4 go from this place receive the blessing of your Father in heaven. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.